0: Part 2. The Mechanism of Evolution. Chapter 8B of Organic Evolution. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jack Blake. Organic Evolution by Richard Swan Lowell. Sexual and Artificial Selection experimental evidence there is as yet comparatively little evidence based upon actual experiment but such as we have is strongly opposed to the sexual selection theory in this connection the experiments of meyer are of remarkable interest he worked with the giant silkworm moth calasamia promethea in which there is decided sexual distinction in colour and pattern the females have a reddish-brown ground colour while the males are blackish and the ornamentation in the two sexes is distinctly different if there is any moth species in which the colors and general pattern of the male ought to be readily obvious to the female and in which sexual selection might be presumed to have been the influence in producing a pronounced male type of preferred pattern it is this species mayer's experiments were as follows he took four hundred and forty nine pupae in cocoons which had been collected in massachusetts and new jersey south to loggerhead key in the dry Tortugas islands off florida this island is separated by many miles of ocean from other land and is hundreds of miles south of the range of the species evidently no interference with mayer's experiments could come from outside individuals of this species the moths issued during may and june in the proportion of about two males for each female the males of this species seek out the female for pairing and can do this for a considerable distance as many as several dozen males will find a single female and hover fluttering about her mayer's first experiments were directed to the end of determining if the males found the females by sight or by smell by enclosing females in numerous jars variously arranged and covered or uncovered it was readily determinable that the males never pay attention to females enclosed in transparent jars, so closed as to prevent the escape of any odours from the female, while to the females enclosed in boxes, or wrapped in cotton, so as to be invisible, but yet capable of giving odour off into the air, males came promptly, and hovered about. To locate organs of scent in the female may a cut off abdomens from various females, and then placed abdomens, and abdomen-less females, at some little distance apart. Males came to the abdomens and not to the thorax plus wings, legs, and head parts. Females were proved to increase in attractive power with age, and virgins are a little, but only a little, more attractive than already fertilized females. It was readily proved by experiments with males whose antennae were covered with shellac, photographic paste, glue, paraffin, etc. that the sense of smell is seated in the antennae. Males with antennae covered with photographic paste did not find females, while the males with the paste dissolved off did. Meyer now tried to test the selective action of the female. The male Promethea has blackish wings, while the females are reddish-brown. In accordance with the theory of sexual selection, the peculiar coloration of the male should be due to the selection of darker, colored males, so that under this influence the males would become, in successive generations, darker and darker, until the present coloration has been attained. Mayer's own account of his experiments and conclusions to test the preferences and selective action of the females is as follows. In order to test this hypothesis, I cut off the wings of a number of females, leaving only short stumps, from which all the scales were carefully brushed. Male wings were then neatly glued to the stumps, and thus the female presented the appearance of a male. Under these circumstances, the males mated with the females quite as readily as they would have done under normal conditions. I then tried the experiment of gluing female wings upon the male. Here again the mating seemed to occur with normal frequency, and I was unable to detect that the females displayed any unusual aversion towards their effeminate-looking consorts it is also interesting to note that normal males pay no attention to males with female wings in another series of experiments the wings were cut entirely off of the males and females and the scales brushed off their bodies and yet these shabby males were readily accepted by normal females nor could i see that normal males displayed any aversion to mating with wingless females We are therefore forced to conclude that the melanic coloration of the male has been brought about through the agency of sexual selection on the part of the female. Later, male and soul repeated the experiment on a much larger scale, with some variations in character. 1,500 cocoons of Promethea were collected in the winter of 1901 to 1902, and hung in trees, so that the issuing moths might fly about, unconfined. About six hundred males emerged from the cocoons, and the wings of about one-half of them were painted with scarlet or green ink, while the others were allowed to remain normal in colour. It was evident that the males whose wings were scarlet and green succeeded fully, as well in their attempts to mate, as did the normal males. Experiments were also tried with the gypsy moth, Osneria despa, with similar results, except that males with their wings cut off were more apt to meet with resistance from the females than perfect males were. From these experiments, Mayer and Sol conclude that the mating instinct on the part of these two insects is a phenomenon of chemotaxis. Sexual selection on the ground of color alone does not affect it and there is no associative memory connected with it, Kellogg. Alternative Explanations It will be seen from the foregoing that the Darwinian factor of sexual selection rests upon very meagre evidence, the great majority of secondary sex characters being explicable by natural selection, and, on the other hand, even where natural selection cannot be invoked, sexual selection does not stand the test of experiment some alternative explanation becoming necessary the following have been offered first that the secondary sexual characters are produced as a result of the immediate stimulus naturally different of the sexually differing primary reproductive organs this stimulus being usually considered to result from an internal secretion of the genital organs acting on certain tissues of the organism, and second, that the males in most species possess an excess of energy which manifests itself in extra growths, extra development of pigment, plumage, etc., and that displays by the males of special movements, sound makings, etc., are direct effects or manifestations of sexual excitation, Kellogg. In explanation of the first of these alternative theories, it should be remembered that there are within the body numerous glands, some of which, like the salivary glands, liver or pancreas, have ducts connected with them, and these ducts bear away a definitive secretion, which, like saliva, pancreatic juice and bile, has a particular and well-known function. In addition, there is a group of so-called ductless glands, such as the spleen, the thymus, and thyroid bodies, and suprarenal capsules. These are of considerable size, and very constant in a large number of vertebrated animals. Hence their importance is manifest, but is not in every instance clearly understood. They seem, however, to have a very vital regulating function of one sort or another, and their serious derangement is always followed by or concomitant with a disease the reproductive glands especially those of the male are often large seemingly unnecessarily so if procreation is their only function hence it is probable that in addition to their normal external secretion which is passed out through the seminal ducts there may be additional internal secretion which is poured into the blood or lymph stream and in some way controls the growth of horns, or mane, or beard, just as another ductless gland. The pituitary body seems to be concerned with bodily growth. The secondary sex characters do not develop until the sex organs mature, and on the other hand emasculation of the glands themselves prevents the appearance of these characters, which is positive evidence of the interrelation of these structures the excess of vigour in the male is due to the vastly greater task which the female has of providing nourishment for the offspring either in the form of yolk in the bird or reptile or of interuterine nourishment and milk in the mammal with approximately equal vitality to begin with the drain upon the female would lead to relative excess of energy on the part of the male Which could manifest itself in the development of the male characteristics, as we shall see in the later chapter (Chapter 23). Cave animals are characterized by depalpuration, lessening of the stature due to starvation. Excess of energy is inconceivable on the part of a cave salamander or fish, and therefore could not give rise to the exuberant growth. This may answer Eigerman's argument, at least in part in order that the duty of procreation may not be sure it is necessary for the male to have increased activity and sexual instinct in proportion as the female is passive which would account for a greater sexual excitation on his part a final explanation for secondary sex distinction is that of emery who believes that many cases of secondary sexual differences are explained by the sudden appearance mutation of another form of male or female the persistence for a while of the two forms side by side as now exists in numerous dimorphic species especially among insects and then the gradual dying out killing out by natural selection of one of the two old original forms the one like the other sex thus leaving the other or aberrant form. Kellogg. This explanation is also offered to account for the development of mimicry among butterflies and will be further discussed under that head. Kellogg seems to think that as an explanation for development of sex characteristics it is rather far fetched, but in the promethea moth which we have discussed, the larger and more brilliantly colored individual is the female which makes it difficult to apply the excess of male vigour theory to say the least the effect of emasculation upon the male if the experiment could be tried would be of great interest by way of summation kellogg says the plain truth is that the satisfactory all explaining explanation of secondary sexual characters and sexual dimorphism as a whole is yet to be formulated artificial selection Artificial selection is the process whereby the various breeds or races of domestic animals and plants have been formed. As the name implies, it does not occur in nature, and its place is in a discussion of evolution, is largely illustrative in that it shows, at least in part, the way nature in her turn has wrought out the wonderful changes which the organic world has undergone. It is of the character of experimental biology upon which modern investigators rely so largely for their facts, but it has been found that laboratory experiments sometimes succeed where nature fails, so that it is quite possible that the theory of natural selection, for instance, rests too largely upon the assumed analogy with the artificial. Artificial selection is, in its simplest aspect, an extremely old process judged by human standards extending as it does over eight thousand years and some of the changes wrought animals and plants are truly marvellous certain types on the other hand like the peacock or guinea pig hen lack plasticity and all the centuries of their domestication have failed to produce any very marked departure from the original stock the forms produced by artificial selection are often very far from a natural ideal and are not such as would be produced or even survive in the wild state in nature characteristics which make for success in the struggle for existence are the product of evolution in domestic races the qualities or traits which are useful to man or conform with his fancy or with style are selected many which would prove an insuperbable handicap in open competition Another characteristic of artificial breeds is their instability, their proneness to revert to the original type in a few generations if the vigilance of the breeder in prohibiting promiscuous mating is relaxed. Examples of artificial selection Pigeons Among the most plastic of all domesticated animals are the pigeons, of which considerably more than 150 named varieties all descended from a single known source, and which breed true, were known at the time of Darwin, 1868. Moreover, the range of variation is so great that some domestic races of the rock pigeon differ fully as much from each other in external characters as do the most distinct natural genera, Darwin. The rock pigeon, Columbia livia, which include two or three closely allied subspecies or geographical races, is to be regarded as the common parent form. From this conservative bird, there have been derived some remarkable types, such, for instance, as the pooter, in which the body and legs are elongate, and the feet are fully feathered. But the most peculiar feature which gives the name to the race is the enormous size of the oesophagus, which is often inflated, giving the bird a remarkable military air. A second race consists of the carrier pigeons, with elongated beak, neck and body, but with the eyes surrounded by much naked, generally wattled skin. These are the pigeons capable of the most sustained flight, and are used abundantly as homing pigeons. In the race of the fantails, the tail is expanded directly upward and formed of many feathers with no oil gland, and there is a rather short body and beak. The carriage of this bird is remarkable. The head touches the tail feathers, and habitually trembles very much, and the neck has an extraordinary backward and forward movement. Good birds walk in a singular manner, as if their feet were stiff, and owing to their large tails, they fly badly on a windy day. The turbots have the feathers reversed along the front of the neck and breast, while in the Jacobins they are reversed even more along the back of the neck, forming a hood which meeting in front of the neck almost encloses the head. Tumblers have a curious habit of tumbling backwards during flight, some, particularly the Dutch rollers, tumbling to an extraordinary degree. Every few seconds over they go. One two or three somersaults at a time here and there a bird gives a very quick and rapid spin revolving like a wheel though they sometimes lose their balance and make a rather ungraceful fall in which they occasionally hurt themselves by striking some object brent in darwin in the indian frillback as in the jacobin the feathers are reversed but in the frillback they curl backward over the whole body The trumpeters have a tuft of feathers at the base of the beak, curling forward, and a very peculiar voice. These instances, the descriptions of which have been taken from Darwin, will suffice to show not only the extremes of variation, but the impossibility of natural survival on the part of some of them, notably the tumblers and fantails, with their poor locomotive powers, and the frillbacks, whose feathers instead of being an admirable protection against inclement weather, actually invite the destruction of the bird. The young of all the highly improved fancy birds are extremely liable to disease and death owing to the detrimental effect produced on the constitution of an animal by too close in breeding. Some of these breeds are very old, pooters, jacobins and tumblers, having existed prior to 1600. Nevertheless, they are not yet stable, and it is said that only two generations of promiscuous breeding will suffice to produce a mongrel, in many ways a practical reversion to the ancestral rock-dove type. Factors of Artificial Selection The means employed by the stock breeder in the production of new varieties have been enumerated by Jordan and Kellogg, as follows first unconscious selection with more or less complete isolation what this really means is a weeding out of the unfit the less desirable animals from every point of view these are eliminated and the remaining animals permitted to breed this improves the stock without giving the race distinctive qualities nevertheless where isolation is effective and environmental conditions differ it leads to time to marked radical divergence among the sheep of england several markedly distinct races have been thus produced as follows hornless varieties southdown sheep of sussex tawny face and legs hampshire sheep black face ears and legs black spot and a tail devonshire sheep similar to preceding but without black spot and a tail Shavoy sheep, face and ears white, head free from wool, ears erect. Shropshire sheep, dun face, face more or less covered by wool. Horned varieties, Dorset sheep, white face and ears, small white curved horns. Irish sheep, black horns. Second, conscious selection of the more desirable individuals emphasizing such points as larger size plumpness earlier maternity greater docility and fertility while unconscious selection tends to produce racial diversions here the reverse is true for these good qualities appearing in all individuals tend to obscure natural or racial traits and make all sheep look alike Third conscious selection directed towards definite or special ends that is emphasizing certain individual characteristics rather than working toward a good all-round animal variation is continually bringing new points to the breeder's notice those which strike his fancy or increase the value of the animal will be cumulatively emphasised in successive generations by breeding only those individuals which show the characteristic best. In this way increased milk flow or yield of meat or wool or disappearance of of horns is obtained. Often the character which strikes the breeders fancy is non-beneficial and hence opposed to the result which would be produced by natural selection. Fourth, crossing or hybridizing. The crossing of two individuals is often of great benefit because it, one, increases the range of variation, two, adds or combines certain desirable characters, three, eliminates the undesirable. In general, at least after the first generation, the progeny will diverge widely from one another. Some will show good qualities, some poor, some will be a mosaic of both parents. Some will diverge widely from either, often showing traits either remotely ancestral or wholly new." Jordan and Kellogg. When this crossbreeding is accompanied by careful selection directed towards definite or special ends, remarkable results are accomplished, and it is mainly upon this series of processes that breeding as a fine art depends. In this way, Luther Burbank has produced a marvellous assemblage of plant varieties, flowers, and fruits, attaining by his patience and skill results which are almost like those of wizardry. Limits of Artificial Selection These are not met with as soon among plants as among animals, and the first impediment is lack of fertility in making wide crosses. Among animals, crosses of varieties only are practicable, and, as a rule, related species, such as the horse, Equus caballus, and the ass, Equus asinus, can only be bred for one generation, as the offspring is sterile. Among plants, on the other hand, Not only a wider cross is practicable, but many plants can be propagated from cuttings, while higher animals, including all domestic animals, cannot, and the only way of getting another individual, such as a mule, is to make the original cross again. Mules can be improved, therefore only by improving the parents or by crossing different breeds of horse and ass, respectively. Crossbreeding Contrasts contrasting results are sometimes obtained in cross-breeding by reversing the sexes of the two varieties mated thus the common mule is the offspring of the male ass and the female horse from the father he inherits certain superficial traits such as the small hoofs somewhat scantier mane and tail voice and some peculiar mental characteristics while from the mother come the deep lying size and strength And symmetry some authorities claim that his intelligence is greater than that of either parent although he lacks the dignity and poise of a good horse reverse the cross and the result is a hinny more horse like in contour and appearance but with the smaller stature of the ass the voice is that of the horse and the animal is more apt to be fertile than the mule The superficial characteristics and voice are in each instance those of the father the stature strength and symmetry those of the mother among plants the reverse hybridizing of the walnuts gives another instance of contrasts the california walnut jugans californicia male and the black walnut j nigra female when propagated give trees which increase in size twice as fast as the combined growth of both parents with clean-cut glossy bright-green leaves from two to three feet long and odor like apples but no nuts from the male black walnut and the female california tree however there is produced a tree with larger nuts of a quality superior to that of either parent mechanical limits the second limit to artificial selection is a mechanical one, for just as architecture, and especially bridge construction, have their limitations fixed by the strength of the building materials at the disposal of the builder, so a limit may be reached in nature. Speed among animals requires, among other characteristics, long and slender lower segments to the limbs, which reach their highest perfection in animals of the size of the average african antelope with a larger creature such as a horse the impacts and strains to which the limbs are subjected are increased not only because of greater force required to move a larger animal but very rapidly with each added increment of speed the modern race horse with a speed of over thirty miles an hour Has just about reached the limit of strength on the part of bone and muscle, and a marked increase on the part of future animals is not to be looked for without proportionate risk of frequent injury to the horse. There are known cases in which a positive limit has been reached in attempting to modify organs through selection alone. End of chapter eight, b. Sexual and Artificial Selection. Recording by Jack Blake.